You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. That's a great quote by C.S. Lewis and really does epitomize our guest this week on HEAL, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of HEAL. Today, I get to sit down with Ashley Fillmore, who owns an online holistic health company called Metabolic Fix, but she's also a certified nutrition coach and a personal trainer. And I learned she's a mom and a wife too, which is so cute and exciting. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be here. I'm excited to have you. I learned of your story through a Facebook group, and I absolutely would love to hear all about the things that you have been through and, and how you got to where you are today with your online holistic um, business, as well as how you became a personal trainer and what drew you to that field. Because I like to work out sometimes, <laughs> but I can't imagine, I can't because it's just me wanting to um, throw myself deep into that field, unless it's to help other people. But I got you go ahead. You tell me all about your story. Start wherever you want to start, Ashley, um, and tell us everything that you've been through to get to where you are today. Awesome. And again, I'm so grateful for this opportunity because I know um, having an online company, how much you can impact someone else's life and you can share your story. You can open up and, and just, it's amazing. You never know who you're going to impact. You never know who you're going to touch. And so I'm really grateful for this opportunity because my number one goal today is to inspire your listeners to take action. Um, Maybe if they are going through a darker chapter in their life, I want to give them hope because anything is truly possible. And I always say this, if I can do it, anyone else can do it. I say that all the time because I feel like, I know that a lot of people feel like whatever it was that they're they have gone through in this lifetime so far has been hard. You know, we've all struggled. We all do struggle. And our level of struggle is different for everyone, but it's still our personal struggle. And I feel like when we get through that, um, we can share our story. And even if there's one person that hears the story and is inspired or empowered um, to take action or to do something different, then it was worth telling the story. So I'm excited to have you to hear your story so people can um, maybe feel like you said inspired and empowered to take action and to 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 work on some of their things um, in order to find themselves again. Yes, I totally agree. And before I dive into the beginning, I want to say that I'm actually so grateful for everything that I've been through, because honestly, I would not be here today. And it almost brings tears to my eyes every time guest on a podcast or I share my story with my own audience because yes, there has been a ton of trauma, a ton of things I've had to overcome and a lot of sadness. But on the other side of that, there's been hope. There's been a renewed me. There's been this person that now has confidence that's a mother and a wife and a business owner. And I truly do not believe any of these things I have today would have been possible to just even get here, have the family, the business, the confidence, all of that without the beginning. And so Absolutely I Absolutely agree. Honor yeah. your past. We are yeah. who we are today because of what we've gone through in the past. And we can't throw that away and we can't be ashamed of it. Um, or feel guilty about it. We learn from it. And that's why we're here on this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm ready to dive in. If you're ready, let's let's dive. (laughs) Okay. 
All right, so just a little bit of backstory on me before I get to the part that really changed my life. So I grew up in, in poverty. I'm the first one out of my family to graduate college. So I'm the first college grad, so woohoo. I'm Super really cool. excited to hear that. I was also the first grad of um, college grad and I am the youngest of eight. So a big family. Um, wow. Yep, and I was a single mom going through school in my thirties. So wow. it was, I love that part of your story already. <laughs> You're amazing. And I just want to You're tell amazing. you that. So, <laughs> that's amazing. And, and yeah, so I'm the first college grad, um, you know, which is a big deal for my family. Um, you know, a lot of blue collared workers throughout my family, you know, my mom, she carried two to three jobs on average to make ends meet, you know, we were, we were still struggling, you know, we had to live off of food stamps and HUD assistant living and, you know, truly to just put food on the table was a struggle. She worked, you know, pretty much from morning to night with three mm -hmm. jobs. And a lot of times I was home alone. She was a single mother. And, um, you know, she did have boyfriends come and go over the years, but my father was never there. He never wanted to be a part of my life. And so she was doing it all on her own. And um, although she had great support from her parents, my grandparents, they were also very limited financially. And so there just wasn't enough to go around. And so things were really hard. You know, at a very young age, I realized that my life was different. I would look at other kids in school. I would see them wearing the nice clothes and the new shoes when school started and the fresh outfits every day. And, you know, I was lucky to get two or three new outfits and one pair of shoes to last all year. Um, you know, life was really different for me. And so even looking back before my mom actually passed away at the age of 15, when I was 15 years old, it was a struggle even before that. You know, I was worried as well about paying bills, you know, nine, 10 years I was very concerned about her being able to make enough money to pay the bills, to put food on the table. I'd open the refrigerator and see that it was empty. I remember going to the grocery store and we would put food back every week. You know, it was the necessities were at the beginning. And then we, as we started to kind of unload our grocery cart um, to get checked out, we'd put the, if we have enough food stamps left over, we'll get these extra things. Right. And so, uh, a, you know, a named brand frozen pizza was a treat for me. Yeah. And, so, and you know what, when you're on, when you're on those food stamps, at least where I, where I was, you can't get the name brand anything so yeah you just yeah, get the very basics milk eggs basics. yeah diapers if you have a baby maybe formula maybe and um yeah it wasn't easy no it wasn't and it was really embarrassing for me as well because you know at that time they did not have the um the the debit card that they do have no. now yeah it was and a piece of paper yeah, she had the colored, I remember them like it was yesterday, you know, and it had the dollar amounts or whatever written on them, but it was colored paper and it stood out because it did not look like normal money. No. And I remember being in line and, you know, thinking, oh, you know, if a friend was behind me grocery shopping that day, just what I was going to look like to that family. And, and yeah, so those were really, really hard days for me. I never really had the opportunity to be a child, which is something I now am very conscious of with my own children that are four and, and going to be seven in July. Yeah. And so I'm really conscious of that with my girls because I was never a child. I had to grow up really quickly. My mom wasn't present when she was present. She was very exhausted trying to figure out how to put food on the table. She had boyfriends come and go. I mentioned that earlier on. They were all very, um, very abusive verbally and physically to her. So, you know, I would watch my mom physically get beaten and verbally get abused on a daily basis. And that you for know, you that, was probably what felt like normal. This is what is supposed to happen or was, did that feel wrong? What did no, that feel like at the time? At first I thought it was abnormal, but eventually it became the norm. So I think that I also started to just think that this is the dynamics of a normal relationship. And so, you know, I was probably around the age of eight or a little younger than that when I started to really pick up on what is this? This isn't good. I'm worried about my mom's safety. I'm worried about my safety. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. Yes. And yeah. some of her boyfriends would also verbally abuse me. 
never physically, but verbally, I would Mm -hmm. watch my mom get verbally and physically abused. And so, you know, there were times we had to go to shelters and there were times when, you know, we had to up and move because her boyfriend was just taking it too far. And so, yeah, that was kind of the day-to-day life and that every day looked that way. So Christmases, you know, birthdays, those things weren't really celebrated. Yeah. And um, if so, you know, I remember a couple Christmases were big black trash bags from the Christmas store. My mom didn't even have the money or energy to wrap the presents. And, you know, it would just be pretty much set down in a black trash bag. And so that was really my life. And um, that was what I lived. That was my reality. And then at the age of 15, she suddenly passed away. She ended up overdosing from drugs throughout her struggles, working three jobs, being a single mom, having boyfriends come and go, being physically and verbally abused, she really struggled. And towards the end, one of her boyfriends were wrapped up in, um, you know, uh, uh, pills. So she started to take pills and abuse them. And eventually that ended her life. Um, So that was, that was my upbringing. And at the age of 15, I was suddenly on my own. I had my grandparents, which were very financially limited, but they took me into their home. Thank goodness. Uh, I lived there for a little while before I went out on my own. And um, it was just one of the most most traumatic thing that I've ever been through in my life. And I don't think, even though my reality was so, so hard, I never realized or thought or prepared myself for losing my mother and knew how to deal with that. And so that was the beginning and the end of starting a new chapter in my life, but ending one and losing a mother. And that was the only real true person that was in your life at the time. Exactly. Exactly. She was. And, and, you know, we, we had a inter- we had a great relationship, but we also had ups and downs because I would get frustrated with her, um, you know, allowing her boyfriends to abuse us, or you know, why is yeah. she doing drugs? And I told you not to do this, and you said you would stop, and you didn't, and why didn't you stop? And at the same time, I was a teenager, and before that, a child. Right. So intellectually, I still acted like a child in a lot of ways, and just couldn't quite understand why are you doing what you're doing. Right. Well, what what child would understand that? Right. Of course, we we would tend to internalize that too, and be like, well, it must be something I'm doing, or um, I don't know, like, I, I can't make them stop. So what am I doing wrong? I yes. just think kids tend to internalize those things. And I did, actually, I will say that, you know, my mom, she was a smoker, she drank alcohol occasionally on her occasional day off, you know, from her three jobs, um, you know, but but I will say the drug abuse did not start up until the last couple of years of her life. So, you know, that's a, I know some people have their parents struggle through that for years and years and years. For her, it was really just the last couple of years. I'd say the last two years, it really picked up. And then the last year, um, you know, was, was really intense for me. And then that last year was a, just a downhill, you know, all the, just constant, you know, why are you doing this? There were many times when I felt like it was my fault. There were many times I felt like I should be able to, to make things get better or make her stop. And or, or the other feeling that comes to mind, and this might be not true for you. However, the other thing that comes to mind is she's choosing this over me. And why is she choosing this? Why is this more important to her? I mean, I understand. I, maybe I'm a bit too empathetic, but I don't think so. I understand why someone would in her situation turn to that because she's escaping. She's feeling better when she's doing it. Um, and she's not in her real life, which was difficult. You know, exactly. I, I get, I get that, but I'm an adult, you know, and I, under, I'm not there, yes. you know, I understand that. And I have a bit of empathy for her because of that. And makes, breaks my heart that there was a child there makes me so sad for you. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Actually, there were many times in my, in my journey where I thought, 
you know, I would get angry. Like, why aren't you doing better for me? Why can't you just stop for me? And you were right. I was a kid and I just, you know, now as an adult looking back, I totally get it. And the anger I initially had, I went through all of the obvious stages of grief as a 15 year old and spent many years in counseling and, you know, ended up going back to counseling a couple of times. It's now been 18 years, almost 19 years that she's been gone. And honestly, over the last couple of years, it's just the first time I've been comfortable even being able and in a great place to talk about things openly. That's a long time. However, you got there. Yes. You you got there and it does take years and years of healing. Not, I don't like to say healing and I know the name of my podcast is heal. Um, but I mean, you know, yes, healing from trauma, but also figuring out the beauty of it. You know, why did this all happen? And what am I going to do with it now? You know, I think that's, that's, that's what, that's the thing that I think we all try to get to, whether we know it or not. Is exactly. we're trying to yeah figure out why did this happen, and I don't like to say to me, but you know for me why did this happen, and what can I do with it now that I'm here? Yes, exactly. And so, you know, there were a lot of emotions, and and towards the end, she and I had a lot of arguments because you know I wanted why are you spending your money on pills when I need at least two outfits? You promised me new shoes this year for school. And so there was a lot that I had to work through. Um, And her death was sudden. Obviously, I did not realize that she would overdose. She didn't overdose in our home. She was actually with friends. And so um, I was in my The night before we had a really big argument because it was late and she was coming home a little bit late towards the end of her life to make ends meet, you know, she also started to sell the drugs as well as use them. So, you know, not sure if any of the listeners have someone in their life or, you know, have been through this, but it's not abnormal for the user to sell, to try and live off of that. Plus, they're a user and it's just a really bad place to be in. It sounds so, like a really bad cycle to be stuck in. That's exactly it. And yeah. so, you know, we had weird, weird people coming to our door and knocking on it when I was home alone. And, uh, very you know, unsafe for you as a 13, unsafe. 14 and 15 year old. Exactly. And um, so she would hang out with her friends as well. And this is where she would sell drugs, use drugs. And, um, and, and I was in, we had an argument. She was supposed to come home, bring me dinner at midnight. I had just started 10th grade in high school. And um, I just, I woke up that morning and I went to get ready for school, which this is not abnormal for me. I would always get myself ready. Sometimes she had a third job and would work overnight. So I was used to kind of getting up by myself and putting myself on the school bus and having breakfast. And that morning I woke up and I got ready. It was my second day of 10th grade. I went into school and I actually ended up calling my mother that morning because I just felt like something was off. I went into her room. I noticed that she didn't come home. She never brought me food home and her car wasn't out front. And I felt very strange looking back. I can really remember it because I called her that morning, no answer. And I think I even called one of her friends or my grandparents to help me figure it out because I was at school. And so I had to go to the office to step away and call her. I was in my PE class and it was probably before lunchtime, just before lunchtime, two police officers to the classroom door. And I didn't connect the dots. And quite honestly, I didn't really know the process. What do you do when someone's parent passes away? Who comes? I didn't know who, who came to the class or any of that, but I saw two police officers and I didn't connect any dots then. But as soon as they went to the teacher and said, I need to see Ashley, immediately, I knew something happened to my mom. I didn't even need anyone to tell me that. And I hadn't even thought about overdoses being an option before then, but I knew something bad had happened to my mom. So they call me out into the hallway and looking back to this, I, I, I will say out of all of this story, the way that they told me, I felt like was just very unprofessional to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's shocking to me that they're police that came to the class as opposed to 
principal calling you down to the office, pulling you into the office where maybe the police would be, perhaps a counselor, <laughs> you know, like many supports in place. And I don't yeah. know. So, so mean, what were they thinking? Uh, what I don't know. Go ahead. Sorry. I don't know. No, I don't know either. And this is something that looking back and as I as I've been able to relive this story without falling apart, looking back, I just am like, I really hope they have a better policy in place now. Because oh, I work at a I worked at a school. I was a teacher for 16 years. And I know for a fact that that would not have happened in the past 16 years. So and my in my district. Yeah. I mean, a teach the teacher may have been called bringing the student, like the person that, I don't know, that just seems like it was very cold. Yes. And I wonder why. That makes me really wonder. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So they, they then t go on to tell me that something has happened really bad to my mom. So obviously I'm hysterically crying and can, you know, don't really know what they mean, but I know it's not a good thing. By that time, you know, I figured out two police officers pulling me out of class, telling me something happened to my mom. I know she's not, you know, I know she's not okay. Something is terribly wrong. So I had to walk up the three sets of stairs, just hysterically crying, get into, at this point, the guidance office. And when I'm in there, I notice that no one else is in there. So they've cleared out the space for me. And it's actually a larger room and the room um, has different door, different offices, but the whole space was cleared. And I just looked at, at them and said, my mom's died, I know it. And, you know, at that point, I just felt like my whole world shut down. Yep. And I crawled under the desk. Oh, Ashley. I just sat there and I cried. And it was just like, I didn't know what to do. You know, I thought, I don't have a father. I don't have sisters. I don't have a brother. I don't have, I mean, my grandparents, they were just stretching themselves so thin actually into bankruptcy to just help my mom kind of fill in the gaps and bring me groceries and do all of those things. And they then somewhere within the story, they then contacted my grandparents after telling me my emergency contact after telling me and my grandparents were just very upset about all of this happening and the and way this that is I, and these are her parents your mom's parents her i'm parents, assuming yeah yes so they called them after telling me and then tell them to come to the school to pick me up and so they actually ended up following up with the school and obviously not having great words about the whole process and how they just seemed were amateurs and anything like this. And, and yeah, I could just say so many emotions hit me. I mean, anger, I was so scared. I was fearful. I was just devastated. And, and, you know, even through the ups and downs, we really had each other. And right. so, and even through her drug addiction, again, it wasn't for that long. And when it got bad, her she started to realize things got bad and she was actually supposed to go into rehab the day that she was found dead. She was gonna put herself in rehab because I think she was trying to stop using, but then she was selling and surrounding herself around people. And like you said, it was escape. It yeah. was, I think it was a very innocent, I need a break, I need some relief, I need to just check out ultimately yeah. for a yeah. minute right and then she started to use it felt good and by the time she realized that it was a problem it, it wasn't something she could stop on her own yeah. as a as a mother as a wife as a business owner as an adult now I even without having her struggles in life I still realize how easy it is to start having wine wine every night yeah or yeah. You know, and that's another addiction as well. You know, every night you come home and have a couple glasses of wine because you just want to relax. Drink. Yep. Just to relax. Well, that's what she was doing. Yep. Instead, her relief was pills, not alcohol, not other things that people are now doing. Right. So it was just a, so 15, I, I, I had to finish, I had to finish high school. I had three years left. 
Um, I had, you know, all of my 10th grade, all of my 11th grade, all of my 12th grade. I graduated high school. Um, you know, I, I really struggled there for the 10th grade year. I was going to say it's miraculous. You got through that one year, never mind graduating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was a big accomplishment. I, I cried across the st stage because I mean, I was just also so proud of myself for all that I, all that I went through the last, um, a little over a year of high school, I actually lived with someone local in my town because my grandparents did not have the financial means to drive me across to two towns to get to my school. And so um, I ended up living with someone that wasn't my, you know, blood family member. And I was working, um, you know, to buy my own food and I was um, in school and I was renting a space ultimately to, to, to live and get through high school. And so I was, I was so proud of myself, but I was really wounded then. I was not. Yeah, no time to grieve. That, yes. It, there you know, was like no you just get through this. And I feel like that's what a lot of us do. We just don't have time to heal, like feel it, heal it, move through it because we're just surviving through it all. Trying to figure exactly. out how to, your mom was doing that. Try to figure out how to get through the next day and the next day and the next day but not caught, not consciously, you know, sort of subconsciously, unconsciously going through everything, getting through life. Yeah, exactly. And that's, it was survival. It was just straight survival. And, and people will always ask me, how did you do it? I didn't have another choice. <laughs> nope. There was no plan B. And, no, and there was hardly a plan A. You just kept going, yeah. right? I just kept going. I just kept waking up. I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And, yeah. you know, I made it through high school. I, I was in counseling for the first couple of years after losing my mother, you know, I did get help and I highly encourage anyone that's going through trauma or losing a loved one. I mean, it really did help me at least get out of the initial dark cloud and depression and just, I mean, it was just, it rocked my world. The sudden, just, it happened so suddenly, um, the way that it happened, the way that I was told the last conversation I had with my mom was an argument. Um, mm. The last six months of her life were not great memories, lots of ups and downs with arguing and, you know, making sure bills were paid and, you know, yelling at her for her drug addiction and, and all of that. And so, you know, there was a lot. And, and before I get too far ahead, one of the hardest parts for me through the first year of losing my mother was that I had to go and and pack up our whole trailer. I had to, you know, we had to sell her car. We had to look through her car. And so I had to go in and pack up our whole entire home. And, you know, obviously my grandparents were there to help, but that was just one of the hardest things for me to do, um, you know, outside of hearing the news was just packing up her stuff and getting right. rid of Well, it stuff. makes it final and you're almost yes. closing a chapter on something you did not choose to close. So you have to, once again, suffer through the loss by going through the things, um, letting go of the things. It's just every step of it is, is hard. And at that age, I can't imagine. Yeah. And so that was really hard for me. Um, but, you know, the thing that I will say, even looking back, is I just continued to put one foot in front of the other. And I never gave up. And so that's the one thing that has kind of been just a trend throughout my story, even to this day, um, present day and the new challenges I have in life as a mother and a wife and a business owner and just being a, a grown up now yeah. um, is you know, just continuing to show up even when tomorrow looks really cloudy and yeah. you know, there's not a lot to look forward to, or there is no definite things are going to be okay. It was just, I'm going to show up. I'm going to keep trying. And I had to very um, early on in life, take responsibility for my outcomes. And that's something sometimes many of us don't start doing until we get in our twenties, thirties, 40s and beyond. Some people can't even take accountability for their outcomes now at this, yeah. my age. I mean, I'm in my fifties and it's just shocking to me. Like we have control over our situation. Yes. Period. And I realized that. And yeah. so in my junior year, senior year, I, I was, you know, I made a plan to go on to college 
Initially, right out of the gate, I did struggle to get the scholarships that I needed. So I ended up starting off at a community college, which was great. Um, yep. You know, it was fully, it was fully covered. I didn't have to pay anything out of pocket. Wow, um, but great. I remember having a talk with myself and I said, Ashley, this is up to you. If things don't go well, there's nobody to blame. There's no one that I can look to and say, well, you should have done more for me or you, why weren't you here? Or it's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. And so at the age of 17, 18, 15, 16, were a blur just emotionally. I wasn't really there. But then when I started to realize life is going on, what are you going to do? Life has stopped. And that was the craziest thing for me to comprehend as a 15 year old. Cause I just wanted to stop life. Like, right. can we please pause this so I can get through? Hello, I'm suffering over here. Can we hit the pause button? I need to regroup. I need to ground myself, but life just kept happening. And then people, you know, my school worked with me, obviously my family, my grandparents showed a lot of grace. I had great counselors, but then I realized life is not going to stop. And sure, there's some grace time. And, you know, I, I was able to stay in my 10th grade year and not get put behind, but eventually it was like, this story cannot mold you. You can't give up. You can't not go to college. You can't not get a job because you lost your mom and you don't have parents or family. You right. have to keep going. And so that is also to go with me having that discussion with myself to say, this is up to you. You have to take responsibility. You can, can I just also mention you. to people, even though this might sound strange to some, but what a gift you were given at that age. Yeah. Such a young age, such a great loss, but what a gift you were given to be able to realize that your life is what you make of it, period. Yes. I mean, that is something people, like we said earlier, are just realizing in their older years, like your life is what you make of it. That's it. Yes, I know. And I realized that. And it was actually a really great moment for me because that was my chance to say, which way am I going to go? My mom, she struggled to pay the bills. She worked multiple jobs. We barely had money for food, even when she did. I remember her applying for government assistance and man, that was a headache in itself. I remember how many appointments she had with social services and all of the steps and process of doing. I mean, I was with her every step of the way. I, I saw what the poverty and struggle created and the type of pain it created in her life. She yep. had self-esteem. She wasn't confident. She allowed men because of her low self-esteem and she just didn't feel worthy. I'm thinking, looking back, abuse her. Um, you know, she was stuck, a single parent on her own. Whatever happened to my father, he didn't want anything to do with her. And I'd imagine that was very traumatizing for her as well. Yeah. Um, and I had a choice. I knew that if I didn't take action, I was going to end up going down that road and probably having a somewhat similar journey to her. Right. The cycle does continue. Right. Or mm -hmm. I could break the cycle and I could create the next chapter of my life and that I right. was in control of my destiny. I was in control of what happened next. And I just went with that option. Yeah. And that's when I started college. Um, I did two years in um, a, a community college. Then I transferred over into a four-year university. I actually got accepted into the nursing program. I thought I wanted to be a nurse, but then yeah. quickly realized that I did want to care for people. I did want to impact other people's lives, but I did not want to do it in that way because yeah. I realized that was more of the after-the-fact treatment. So after the health issue came, then the treatment part came in. And that's where I would step in. I wanted to get ahead of it. I wanted to be more preventative care. And so throughout that process, I realized I want to change careers. I want to do this a little differently, but still I want to help people. Right. I had a full ride between grants and scholarships that Amazing. I was keeping my GPA high enough. Yeah. Um, I, I was able to get all the way through college with $2,000 in debt from buying a laptop computer. That's unheard of. 
<laughs> so yeah, and um, and then after you know, so I changed careers and went into exercise nutrition, and then um, after college, graduating and realizing that I actually wanted to get super specialized in what I do, and I wanted to help women specifically that um, want to focus in on more holistic health, not just your typical. I want to start this diet and lose weight quickly, or, you know, I'm going to, I want to do this quick fix or anything like that, more holistic, focusing in on the hormones, the metabolism, your mindset, your nutrition, your lifestyle, and your exercise. This because is I, amazing. It's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, so I realized too, through my own transformation that you could not just isolate one piece of the puzzle. And I, and I think this is true for all of us when we want to change. So for me, when I was 15 and then lost my mother and then going into my early 20s, so early adulthood, I had to truly start to heal all of me, not just one part of me. And I started to identify I had low confidence. I um, was not that confident, actually. And, and, and I didn't feel worthy. I lived in a, in a state of scarcity. I was so afraid of not having enough. I still was running from that bear, even though the bear wasn't there anymore. It was a full on sprint. I mean, I worked three <laughs> jobs to get through college. And even when I met my now husband, but boyfriend back when I was 21, you know, he had a good job, but I still felt like you know, we're going to lose everything tomorrow. We're not going to have enough money for food. And he would say, Ashley, you know, we're okay. We're going to be fine. I promise you, I'm looking at our account. We can buy groceries, but I was just, but it's so hard to have the trust in someone else to care for you in that way as well. So that's yeah. another thing I think that happens when you grow up in the kind of situation that you did. Um, you just worry, you do, you worry every day that there won't be enough tomorrow because anything could be taken away from you at any moment. So you're constantly trying to get ahead of it. It's crazy. I, I, yeah. It's crazy. You just keep, keep working and working. And um, you're right. It's all about your mindset. Right. But, but it didn't get 100% better for me because even through college, I was still in a sense in poverty because I did not. I mean, sure, I had my college paid for, but I didn't have a lot of money to stretch across. And so my car would break down all the time. I mean, I paid, you know, I think it was a thousand bucks or a little less. I saved up and made enough money right before school started to buy a car. And, you know, it was an older car and there was lots of, you know, issues with the vehicle. And I was spending my leftover college money to get that car fixed because I had to drive, you know, 45 minutes to get to class every day. And there was right. no bus or way to commute. I couldn't walk there. Mm -hmm. And I was still working and, you know, I'd have $25 for groceries. And so I would buy whole wheat pasta, tomato sauce, bananas, a bowl, a box of cereal and one thing, one carton or gallon of milk. And that was what I would consume. And so even though I wasn't with my mom anymore and living that level of, you know, just trauma and, and scarcity, I was on my own, but man, I really felt the heat because at that point I realized there's no one standing behind me. If I don't do well, if I don't do well, if I don't make a way, I didn't have a visible way laid out for me. I didn't have parents to pay for college. I didn't have the 529 fund. I didn't have someone to pay my rent or my- Not tuition. only that, but what you did have was an example of someone who was doing just what you were doing, surviving every single day on what little that you have. And right. so that's all you knew. So thank goodness you do that, but that's all you knew. So you were sort of repl replicating or duplicating what you knew. And yes, um, yeah. And that was my reality. And that was even more just, you know, um, sealing it in to say, you haven't made it yet. You need to keep working hard or this part-time job you have is going to become your full-time job making minimum wage. How are you going to pay your bills? What are you going to do for health insurance? Because those jobs didn't offer it even to full-time employees. You know, you're barely going to be able to keep your car insured and pay for your cell phone, Ashley. What are you going to do? And let's just say that fire, that motivation pushed me to actually where I am today, but I've had to do a lot of growth and I've had to, um, I ha I've had to let go of that old identity 
to be able to be where I am right now, mm-hmm. but it did get me to the point that I am now, but I've realized that it's not serving me anymore. That scarcity working, you know, grinding myself into the ground every day and just living with that constant fear being the motivator that there's never enough. You're never going to be there. You're never going to have everything that you want. You got to work really hard. If you quit working, you're going to lose it all. That's right. Yeah. This is what fueled my thoughts as a 20 year old, a 21 year old. And it took years, even into my mid twenties and even early thirties, I saw these thoughts still creeping, even though I was married and established and didn't have to worry about putting food on the table anymore. And so I really had to even hit the pause button to say, this is this, I'm not, I'm not where I need to be yet. I still need to heal. I still need to work on this because my past life is still, is still creeping in to my present. And even though my present's different, you're still running from that bear, Ashley. Yeah. And I also think that that's the hardest thing that we can do is to shift that mindset. It's a practice. It's a daily practice. It's a minute by minute practice. You know, that saying one day at a time, this is more like one moment at a time. What are your thoughts? How are they affecting your day-to-day? How are they affecting your beliefs? How, you know, deeply instilled are these beliefs and thoughts? Um, So it's just such a hard thing to manage, Uh, but worth it. So worth it. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, I agree. And um, at my, I worked one job before starting my own company and I, um, you know, I put everything into that job. That was my first job. I was mm-hmm. making a decent income, much more than I made um, at all of the part-time jobs I had from Lowe's, which is a home improvement store, yeah. um, and, you know, grocery stores. And I worked on campus and little cafes and um, I poured my heart into it. I was never late. I was always on time. I worked extra, extra, extra hard. And it's just, it's just the way I was made with my life. I mean, I know hard work, actually yeah. not working hard is a challenge for me. Um, Same. <laughs> yeah. So it was Same. Almost, I had some time off this, <laughs> I, I stopped teaching, you know, and I had some time off. Um, I took a year off of teaching and then I just finally resigned, but I took this past school year off and I hit a wall September and October. All of my teacher friends went back to work and I was just like, I don't know what to do with myself if I'm not working hard, if I'm not working three jobs. So that's actually something I totally can resonate. It uh, I can relate to. Um, not working hard is hard for me. So yes. I've been working on that issue. <laughs> yes. And, and that's the thing is we all, and it, the work is never done. But once you can look at that in a, with a positive light, we're always going to be evolving and growing and working right. on improving ourselves. What There's can I learn? Not, what can I learn? Yes. What can I learn? How can I move ahead? Exactly. Yeah. And that is the goal. I don't ever want to, if I ever hit a point in my life where I feel like that I've completed all the work, then I'm not, I, I'm probably not going to be in a great place because honestly, I don't we're never done with our work. There's always things that we can improve. There's always areas we can grow in. And and for me, you know, I, I poured my heart into my work. It was an outlet for me. It was a passion. It actually got my mind off of the trauma, off of the loss. Um, you know, my, my grand, my grandfather passed away a couple of years after my mom. So we lost him. And, you know, that was, I was down to one grandparent at that time. And, you know, I was thinking, okay, this family tree is really going down even more. And I just poured my heart into my work. It was an outlet. It got my mind off of things. And then I was also seeing the benefits to doing that. And um, very quickly, I became the head nutritionist trainer of the gym, personal trainer of the gym. I fell in love with my work actually so much that I ended up deciding that I wanted to make the very scary leap in 2015. I was 12 weeks pregnant with my first daughter and I put in my notice. And as you've probably heard from my story, scarcity is something I've struggled with. So this was a really big deal. Big leap of faith. Yep. Yes. Change was not something I liked. I would pick comfort and security over discomfort any day back then. And so um, I I just knew that my heart was calling me for more. And I had this vision. I didn't have all the pieces worked out, but I knew that I needed to be doing even more than I was. 
And so I started my company in 2015, 12 weeks pregnant. So I was meeting clients out of my home, in their home, in a local gym. 2018, I started to feel like I either need to have a brick and mortar location or I need to move my company online. So the online thought really started to sound great to me because I was then pregnant with my second daughter. Right. In and <laughs> so thought, making another I, leap while pregnant, right? it could, I, I blame the hormones. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, obviously with my upbringing, I really like being a mom is the most important thing. It's more important than my business It's more important than anything in my life. That's my number one calling. And I want to always thrive at that. And so that was also a big part of how can I set up my life to be able to show up well for my two girls? Um, because I don't have a great, they don't have grandparents or family from my side of the family. So, you know, I have to be a really solid role model for my girls. And so in 2019 with a six month old and a three-year-old, I started my online company, Metabolic Fix, learned very quickly how to um, build and scale an online company. Um, and then I really started to realize that building a business was also personal development. So yeah. any, any weaknesses, any little, you know, just areas of improvement shine through with like big strobe lights. I know. <laughs> so. I know. Listen, I think that that's a really great spot to stop for just a moment. Um, I don't want to take a, a whole bunch of your time, but I do want to take a break and come back and maybe you can share with the listeners exactly what your company does, where they can find you, how you can help them if they love your story and want to connect with you. Um, but we'll be back in just one second. Sounds great. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And we're back with Ashley Fillmore. If you remember, we just had a quick break, but if you remember, she is a wife and mom, but she's also the owner of an online business, um, online holistic health company called Metabolic Fix. She's a certified nutrition coach and a personal trainer. And we just learned a bit about her past. And, and I really wanted her to share with the listeners um, how they can get in touch with her. So if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about her company, her online holistic health company, she's going to share with us now um, how you can contact her and what her company does. Thanks, Ashley, again, for being here and welcome back. <laughs> thank you. And I'm so glad to be here. And it's I love your story. Jeez. Thank you. It's just so inspirational. You know, like, I, again, I said earlier, no matter what we've all been through individually, and it's our own trauma, our own story, it's our, you know, level of, of hurt, again, trauma. Um, but your story was so inspirational, even for someone who's kind of has a similar story. Um, just seeing everything that you've done and how you've made uh, lemonade out of lemons, like the worst lemons possible. Yes. You know? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about your business, your online health company? Yes, I would absolutely love to. So outside of my family, my work is my next, well, I'd say it's my third child <laughs> because I love it. It's, it's brought even through such a dark story, it's really allowed me to create this business that I have now. And yeah, and um, it is a shining light in my life. And I am so grateful for where it is today and what I've been able to accomplish. So my company, Metabolic Fix, the name comes from really my specialty. So I focus in specifically on helping women heal their metabolism and balance their hormones to sustainably change their body composition. For some women, this could be weight loss. This could be fat loss. This could be improving hormonal health. So perimenopause, menopause. Um, You're speaking my language right now. 
hypothyroidism, these are all my expertise. So I went on after college to get advanced certifications in hormonal health and how it pertains to body composition changes. If you're struggling with hormonal issues or your metabolism is damaged, you'll find it difficult to see results even when you're eating well, a low calorie diet or you're exercising. So I am really the solution. And so women come to me when they're sick and tired of trying all the diets without seeing great results. And they're really looking for a sustainable program. So that's the cornerstone of the work that I do. But also we dive into mindset barriers, all or nothing thinking, negative self-talk, low self-esteem, low confidence, those things. And really healing your relationship with yourself, rebuilding your confidence, um, you know, working through any issues, all or nothing thinking, stress eating, whatever it is that you may be dealing with, we work through that as well as create a comprehensive lifestyle program. So your exercise, your nutrition, all of it works around your lifestyle versus you trying to fit the mold of a cookie cutter diet program where your lifestyle, your hormones, your metabolism isn't really factored in. Right. It's just, here's the meal plan. Good luck. And with my company, it's more, no, we don't have a pre-planned meal plan. It's actually going to be created just for you. Right. And we're going to look at all of these other key factors before we determine what's the best approach for you. You know, you just brought up a really good point and, um, and thought just popped into my head. We have this mindset going into things. First of all, we feel like we need to go on a specific diet because we feel like we're not good enough, don't look good enough, don't feel good enough. And then we take this um, one size fits all, we follow this plan um, and we might have a little bit of success after a few weeks of starting it, but then after, okay, so maybe I'm just projecting my own issues, but <laughs> I feel like it might be true for a lot of women. But after a few weeks, we feel like, oh, we're not seeing any more results. So we, we give up because guess what? We don't feel like we're good enough. We don't deserve this health and wellness. Um, and this cookie cutter plan feeds into that belief that we're not good enough. We can't it just, it's just, again, another cycle of, of, of negative self-talk and belief that's just not, not right. So I love the fact that your plan um, is individualized. So go ahead. I just had to yeah. say that thought. Yeah. No, and, and it's great. And, and so we work with people one-on-one. -on -one. So I have myself in a team. I have a small team of coaches that also work with me. And they also have equally, you know, I've been doing this for over 15 years now, have over 15 years of experience working full-time since I graduated college in this field. So I have a lot of hands-on experience. And so a lot of that, along with research and education, the experience component has been something that's really unique and different. You know, I've, I've been doing this. And so we work a lot on all of the components that actually impact results. So I work with people one-on-one. -on -one. The program has grown over the years to where I've had to build a team. And then I also will offer a group coaching program just a couple times a year for those that maybe prefer a group setting or can't invest in the one-to-one -one coaching. But it is a very customized approach. And the thing I want to also mention is if you are on a cookie cutter diet and you are eating a low calorie diet, you are exercising and you're not seeing results, it actually may not be that you need to eat less. It could be something going on with your hormones or your metabolism. And so a lot of women look that 90% of the women that come into my community are actually under eating and exercising, but they're gaining weight or not losing weight. And so eating less is not the best approach. And so then we start talking about hormones and metabolism and eating more and eating in a more balanced way for their body, which is customized. And that's when the results start to happen. I say, whenever I eat less to try to lose weight, all I think about is my next meal. And that's not healthy. It's another unhealthy obsession with food. Exactly. And you know? so a lot of this too is rebuilding your relationship with food because many of the women that do come to my, uh, come in my program, they've been dieting for five, 10, 15, 20 years. Some of them are in their fifties, sixties, and they've been dieting since college. Yep. And so they are so trained on 
you know, when you're dieting, you're not eating anything off plan. You never, you never start your program around the holidays or a vacation because typically you're going to be overeating and eating off plan and you have to starve yourself or cut out all your carb carbohydrates. And, you know, I mean, there's just this kind of mindset you can easily. This transition. is also a scarcity mindset. Exactly. And so we really work through that and it's in a very custom approach and you have someone there guiding you through and supporting you and communicating with you multiple times per week. So you're not just left on your own with some workout program and maybe some nutrition tips. It's right. very guided and customized. So how can people get in touch with you? Can you, can you give us your um, website and, yeah. and at least give me everything that you got? I know yes. that you, you told me you have a podcast. I do. It's called so I have <laughs> Cheers to your health, which I cheers so to your excited. success. Oh, yes. cheers, cheers to your success. To success. I wrote that down. I just said it wrong. That's okay. <laughs> That's a great name too. I like your name too. Yeah. Cheers to your success. And I go into all of this. I talk a lot about taking action. I talk a lot about overcoming adversity. I obviously talk a lot on hormones, metabolism, exercise, mindset, lifestyle, but you do get a little bit of everything um, and in a lot of, you know, nutrition and fitness since that expert, but I also speak on overcoming trauma, overcoming adversity, um, becoming a better version of yourself. And what does that really mean? It's right. such a big part of who I am. If I just talked about the science, that wouldn't be me showing up authentically. So I do share a little bit of everything. People need to hear your story. So it's important. Well, thank you. And then I'm always on Instagram. That's a really yep. great platform for me. I am always educating and sharing my life, real life with, with my users and the good, the not so great days, because I think we also need to see that even the experts have not so great days. I agree. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram. My name is Ashley underscore Fillmore, F-I-L-L-M-O-R-E one, like the number one. And so, yeah, and I'll definitely put all of this stuff in the notes of the podcast when we are releasing this. Um, so it's Ashley underscore Fillmore one. And then we have metabolicfix.purefitstudio.com, which we don't have to spell it out here, but we, um, that's her website and we can put that in the podcast notes as well. Um, and again, cheers to your success is her podcast. Um, I'm going to have to go follow that now. <laughs> um, because I feel like the majority of my listeners are in the age group that we mentioned or do are interested in learning more about metabolic health. And I am definitely interested in the hormonal part because I am of that age where um, no matter what I do, no matter how many miles I walk, no matter how much water I drink, no matter what kind of food I put in my mouth, I am just stuck with this, <laughs> this body, which I'm grateful for. It's gotten me through a lot of um, things and it's strong. I just am just not feeling great. So I know yeah. that there's, um, there's, there's something that I'm not seeing or um, doing that is right for me. And I just don't know what it is yet. So this is very interesting. And um, enlightening for me and um, informative. So I'm excited about this. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share with the audience, how they can get in touch with you or follow you or learn more from you? Um, no, actually, if you connect with me on those platforms, you'll easily be pulled into my world. I do a ton. I offer a ton of um, free education through webinars and just great opportunities. I have a really um, healthy and sustainable because everything I teach is sustainable and science-based um, weight loss calculator that's for free. People can use that to just start to get education on metabolism and what is a healthy caloric deficit. A lot of people don't even know the basics because the 
diet industry does not teach you any of these things. And then lastly, the biggest thing I want to leave everyone with today is just don't give up hope wherever you are. And so through the adversity I've came through, it's really inspired me to help other women. And now the way that I help other women is through health. And I see how much of an impact it has on their confidence, on their ability to engage with their families, show up in their job and careers. And it's really inspired me. And, you know, obviously with my story, I'm just constantly reminding myself even that we have one life to live and definitely try and make it the best one that you possibly can. So whatever you need to do, whatever support team, whatever resources you need, you are worth it. And I remind myself of that too every day. Yeah, that mindset is a daily practice. It's something you have to work on every day. Um, I'm so grateful that I've got to meet you and speak with you and learn your history and especially learn about what you're doing now to help women, because that's um, my goal too, is to help women to become better versions, not better versions of themselves, to realize who they are and realize they are worth it and realize that um, there is so much more for them out there. They're just willing to believe that they deserve it. Um, So it's nice to be able to talk to someone who's doing the same. Now, Ashley, I do ask our guests three questions at the very end um, for everyone. So are you ready? I'm ready. Um, When you are at your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? I'm with my children and my husband. Very nice. Um, And do you have a book that you would recommend for someone, highly recommend that changed your life? And if you don't, that's okay. Not everyone likes to read, and I understand that completely. Um, But would you recommend one that's changed your life if you happen to have one? I'm trying to think of the name. There is, I wish I could think of the name. I'm afraid I'm going to get it wrong and then That's I'm not okay. going to say the right name. But there have been many books that have actually influenced me in a really positive way. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I did. Um, so I went to the bookstore and went into self help, self improvement. Mm-hmm. And I spent a little time beforehand looking up because I had no one to guide me mm-hmm. looking up best books. And there were several that I pulled off the shelf and started, I bought, and I started to read through them. And that was really inspiring for me to just um, take more action and focus on bringing out the good in my personality. And yeah, so you know what, it's okay that there's not one book. I think um, the tip of if you feel like you don't have anywhere to start and you don't know where to start, go to a bookstore, go to the self-help section, look at all of them that are in front of you, because at this point, there's probably millions that you could choose from and see just which one touches your soul or your heart or that you can resonate with. So not having a book or not remembering a book is fine. Um, That's a great place to start. Yeah. Go on Amazon and type in self-help books. And, see and, what I comes reviews, and that's what I did. I started to look at reviews and, you know, back in my early twenties, money was really limited. So please believe I read those reviews and picked out one or two. That was <laughs> great. And that's what I went to go purchase. And, and though, and they really did help me. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. Last one. If money wasn't an object, um, which it isn't right. Right. Because we don't have right. our scarcity mindset, but exactly right. if money wasn't an object, what would you be doing? Well, I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. Actually, that's usually what people say. Yeah, you know? I would be doing what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I would do. I would probably buy a couple of properties and really great places I love to travel just to create more memories with my children and family. Yeah. Uh, we love traveling. So if I could go get a spot in Paris and <laughs> you know a spot in Mexico all the places I love I would and think about all the people that you can touch in those locations too with your work (laughs) oh thank you so much Ashley it has really been a pleasure very inspirational um I loved hearing your story it's been great to talk to you Uh, and oh thanks I, I really do appreciate it and your time as well um and everybody else I will be back in just a moment thanks again Ashley Thank you. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. 
check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.